Welcome to Comadres y Comics. Comadres y Comics is a podcast hosted by three Latina women. We highlight the Latinx presence in the comic book industry as creators, characters, and fans. Join us as we talk chisme, comics, fandom, and beer. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Comadres y Comics. This is episode 103. 103.1. Nope, this is episode 104. Is it really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dang, and I had a little sing-along intro and everything. All right, everyone, everybody, it's episode <laughs> 104. And today we are your hosts. I'm Sarah. And I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing? What's going on? What's the What's the haps? I am so excited about the potential of wearing chanclas on a daily basis again here pretty soon. I know it's only February, um, but the, the weather was so nice here today and sunny. And I have the worst uh, sock tan I've ever had in my <laughs> life. And it's like embarrassing. <laughs> so I want to get rid of it as soon as possible. <laughs> That's so cute. I the last time I had a sock tan, I think I was in high school. No, no, in high school <laughs> I got rid of it. It was in junior high. I wore a lot of shorts. Man, and people would laugh at me because whenever I had no shoes on, they yeah. said it looked like I had socks on. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Funny. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I and I know I didn't know how to get rid of them until I started wearing boots like Doc Martens and stuff to school. Uh. Then eventually I fixed my sock tan, but for many years I got made fun of because they said I looked like I was wearing socks when I was barefoot. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> so what about you? I What's think up this with is that? The most even I've ever been, uh, like tan wise, because mm-hmm. I just haven't stepped outside. <laughs> <Easy>. <laughs> that is so mm-hmm. true, though. Like mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like there's something going on with my skin that. It 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 definitely is lacking some kind of like vitamin D from the sun, but then when I'm outside and I'm like, oh, the sun is just burning me. Yeah. Uh, have you ever just stepped to your porch and you feel like you're you're gonna you know spon- spontaneously spontaneously combust? That's how I feel because it's so hot. Because <laughs> it's so hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not there yet, but. Um... <laughs> I know that we complained about it uh, last summer for a while, but we still have some time to go before that crazy uh, weather comes back this way. But yes, right now, chanclas are looking like they're back in back in season and I need mm-hmm. to just walk around. I told uh, Eddie, I'm going to walk around the block like every day just in my chancla so that I can get rid of my sock dad. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I did buy some new shoes like oh, a week or so ago because I went to, we went to go buy cat litter, uh, but there was a Ross next to the cat litter place, and so uh-huh. we were like, "Huh, there's no one in there, so let's see if we can like go get something, or like just just to browse because I miss I miss shopping, like yeah. I miss going to the mall. Yeah, you used to go to the um, mall a lot. Oh, same. Um. Uh, so I went to the Ross and while I was there, like I was probably going to like maybe buy a shirt, but then I, they had actual shoes in my size. So I went and looked and I was like, time to buy sandals because <laughs> the heat's come in. 
That's for sure. That is so sure. Um, I'm not looking forward to it because it just, I hate the hot weather. So I'm really enjoying the, this weather we have right now with the strong winds. It's really, really nice. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Oh yes. I was running in that wind the other day and <laughs> the, there is a construction site near where I run, where they are extending the subway out here to the South Bay. And it was so windy that it looked like it was foggy because that's how much sand and dirt was in the air that was being blown my way. And I was, I was literally like walking with my eyes closed <laughs> because <laughs> it was coming right in my face. So yeah, it's been super windy. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the, the, the cool, well, for me, the cool part about it is like, there's a certain point where I make a left to go home and then there's some sort of hill or something there because I could see the city like in the the horizon and mm -hmm. when it's been blow there's a lot of wind then it, it clears up and you could see the whole city and even the mountains behind the city oh cool which, and and it looks really beautiful and I've always tried to take pictures of it but I never had uh like a I guess you have to have more resolution or to get those details, mm -hmm. but it's just a, it's a small little snippet on my right on my drive home. So um, when it's really windy, you could see more and it looks really, really beautiful. And at sunset, the, uh, the buildings, they look like they're on fire because they're catching the colors from the sunset. Yeah. And it, oh, that's it's cool. Amazing. Um, and it just reminds me of some lyrics for some Soda Stereo song. Um, it's going to see that. Ciudad en, en Fuego or something like that. But anyways, very romantic, very romantic. <laughs> <laughs> and I share that with myself, just like with this longing. But um, yeah, no, <laughs> I mean, little things like that. Like I heard my friend was driving to Rosarito from Ensenada or vice versa. And I remember that drive and I, how you do it on the coast. So you see the, the, the ocean mm -hmm. and, and it just gives me a little like, like goosebumps because i haven't been out in so long yeah so i really long to see all those beautiful picturesque scenery and you know yeah. driving and the trees and i mean it just it um yeah it, there's a very big longing in in my gut right now for that but let's get rid of that longing guys <laughs> Kristen, que hora es? es la hora de la, de la cervecita, cervecita. <laughs> Woo! And this can is so pretty. I love the pink on this can. Um, mm -hmm. We are drinking a, looks like a collab between Crowns and Hops and Great Notion Brewing Company. Um, and it says collaboration for change. And this particular brew is called Crowns and Axes. And I am so, so, so scared to drink this beer. <laughs> why i'm watching you pour it into the glass right now and my mouth is watering because i know it's a sour beer and i'm just very scared <laughs> that it's gonna be so sour um oh, yeah, but it is a sour. strawberry guava oh. ghost style beer and for those people uh for those listeners out there who may not be familiar with um, a ghost. And what I'm saying is G-O-S-E. Um, it is a top fermenting beer and it originated in Gossler, Germany. So I guess that's where they come up with that, uh, that name. Uh, and it is a style that's characterized by the use of coriander and salt and is made sour by inoculating the wort with lactic acid bacteria before primary fermentation. Now that's a lot of 
chemistry words in there that I don't 100% <laughs> understand, but that is um, a little bit of info for what um, a ghost style beer is. And we don't really drink them very often. Um, I, I see them and I run the other way. <laughs> so- <laughs> yeah. I mean, historically, uh, when we were reviewing sours, our uh, reviews tend to be unfavorable on behalf of me and Kristen. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah now- is usually the one who is like, enjoys them. Yeah. And Eddie but- loves them. So, um, which is funny because I love sour candy. Me too. Uh, mm -hmm. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) Well, I love sour candy and I could eat a lemon by, I just peel it and just eat the lemon. What? Yeah. I love, I love lemons. I've, I've been into lemon wedges with salt on them. Like yeah. I can't do just the lemon itself. I like the lemon. And the salt All this taste. talk about lemons and sour candies making my mouth water. <laughs> and, uh, and so, and like the back of my teeth hurt thinking about it. Yeah. Uh, on the can, it says a crushable combo of fruit forward tartness and salt. This strawberry guava ghost is a refreshing banger brewed for the summer. We've been planning this collab with our homies of Great Notion PDX for years, which aligns both of our ideas and fantastic beer. Enjoy, fam. So um, I was just going to ask, I wonder where Great Notion is, but apparently it's from Portland. So Yes. Um, yes. So I am going to open mine up and... Uh, Same. And... Um, Oh, yes, it smells sour. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm going to get uh, myself ready for this. Like, I seriously, the color of it looks like grapefruit. And so that also is making my mouth water. (laughs) Yeah, it's a grapefruit, uh, rosy colored beverage. And um, it doesn't have that much head. Or a carbon ca- uh, carbonation from what I've not tasted. a lot of head. <laughs> That's what she said. <laughs> um, but I really, really, really love it. I really love it. I um, now, it's not super tarty, which I like. What? Um, <laughs> it's not super tarty to me. Oh my god, it's so effing sour. But <laughs> the flavor is actually good. I like the flavor. But it is so sour. That initial drink, that initial swallow was so sour. Maybe I'm sure as you continue, it'll lessen. But but even though it's sour, the flavor is really good. I really mm-hmm. like the flavor. Um, I think the initial initial one is where it grabs your tongue and then it I think it it um it sort of like balances out your tongue and for the second sip mm-hmm. and going yes, forward. It's a that, lot less, definitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Jen. So, I have started. Okay, before this, we were talking about how I found my little sibling's secret stash of snacks, and <laughs> I was right. eating them. Yes. Um, and they have a lot of candy, so I was once again eating candy before I drank this, <laughs> which I think really, really helped it helped cut the sourness for me because I took a sip. And like it, it was sour, but it wasn't like the immediate reaction Sarah did when she first drank it, and the immediate reaction you 
did Kristen. <laughs> so I had to take a second sip to be like, hey, is this sour? And then I was like, yeah, it's sour. But that's because I think my own palate was like already covered in like sugar. Yeah. Yeah. So when I drank it, I got the sour and I got the sugar and it actually came out across as really tasty. <laughs> <laughs> the flavor of the guava and the strawberry is actually very flavor forward. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times when you're drinking sour beers, you have to search for that flavor because mm -hmm. the sour is so overpowering. But that mm -hmm. that's not the case here. Like, I mean, <laughs> I'm even having trouble talking because my mouth is so full of... <laughs> Of saliva because my mouth is watering so much from drinking it. Um, mm -hmm. But uh, the flavor of the guava and the strawberry like hit me um, like even while I was making the crazy faces of how sour it was. Um, and it's very, very flavorful. Mm -hmm. I agree. It, it's really, mm -hmm. really flavorful. It's um, it's fruity, but not in a sweet way. I don't know. Mm -hmm. how to yeah i think that that explains it. it's it's um again it's fruity but not in a sweet way and and it's like like kristen said it's extremely flavorful i i i'm really enjoying this i it almost feels like it's juice i don't under i don't know uh, if, if i'm even explaining this right but i i, I like actually it. enjoy uh grapefruit juice and i have to get past that initial couple of sips and then i can enjoy it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so actually when me and kristen when we saw the beer we we had been talking about how it reminded us of starbucks refreshers mm -hmm. and i can easily drink this with like some lemonade and make like my own beer refresher whatever and your own shandy be really yeah, my own shandy, uh, <laughs> and it'd be, and it'd be pretty tasty. Like I wouldn't I mind think doing so. this with lemonade or like lemon soda or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, honestly, I think it's really tasty itself. I think this is the first time I'm actually gonna finish a sour beer by myself because it is really, really tasty. I like the guava. Uh, that's mostly what I'm tasting, and then I can taste a little bit of the strawberry. Uh, like you guys said, it's very um. um it doesn't hide its flavor behind the sourness. It actually balances out really well. Um, it's it's pretty tasty. I I I really like it actually. And it is a five point zero ABV. We didn't mention that, so pretty um, pretty like medium, I guess. Um, definitely. Uh, 5.0 is something that you have a couple of them. Um, you'll be feeling it in no time. So I and was just... It and it definitely it lends itself for, for this um, kind of this temperature that we're having right now where it's sunny but not too hot. It's definitely mm -hmm. like a it's, a... it's a mood beverage for sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really enjoy it. I, I certainly do. I, I Like I said, I'm the type of person that could peel a lemon and eat it. Um, and actually, that's what I used to do when I was a child. I would climb the fence and take my salt shaker made out of uh, aluminum back then. And then I would, cl <laughs> I would climb the wall and sit there and then pick off the lemons from the tree. How funny. Just, just sit mm -hmm. there and eat lemons like uh -huh. know, for, for an hour or so. You know? And then did you get diarrhea? I didn't, you know. And <laughs> and, and um, it, I, I think about it now and I think I would not do that now because I would definitely get diarrhea or yeah. my stomach would mm -hmm. feel like acid it's burning through. Yeah. But mm -hmm. when I was a kid, it was something that 
was so normal for me and it didn't cause any kind of really weird stomach problems. But, um, mm. but yes, um, this is, this reminds me of my childhood, I guess. I really, <laughs> love, it. <laughs> I really love it. That's nice. Honey. You just, you describing that you just made me remember like summers where, um, um, where I used to live as a kid. Um, um, my, uh, my cousin's grandmother had a guava tree and we would go like to the guava tree and we would just pick the guavas because it wasn't very tall. So we, we would just lift each other up to grab him or shake the tree and then yeah. just pick them off, off the ground. Run them with, under the hose that was outside and just eat them yeah. in the summer. Oh, so nice. I was laughing when you said it reminded you of your childhood because instead of picturing you sitting on the fence eating lemons, I was picturing little Sarah <laughs> drinking a beer. <laughs> <laughs> Man, no, uh, the, that childhood, well, I didn't drink it, but my, 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 my dad did. He would uh, drink the normal uh, Budweiser. Mm-hmm. So memories of white cans with red ink red font yeah mm-hmm. uh, but uh i would never drink a budweiser uh, <laughs> unless i was dying of thirst but other than that <laughs> well it might as well be water so yeah pretty much there you go all right guys well are we ready to actually rate this beer Yes, and just as a reminder to our listeners, we rate beers on a five-point scale where one is flaccid, two is initial, three out of five is partial, four out of five is full, and a five out of five is rigid. And if there's a beer that we think merits an off-the-chart, that is a Super Saiyan six out of five. So, Sarah, I will let you begin. What do you rate uh, crowns and axes? I am going to rate it a rigid. I really, really like. Wow, the, five out of tone. five! Wow, yes. mm-hmm. I really love the. Um, excuse me, the um, the fruit in it that is not overpowered by the tartness. So yes, nice. All right, well, this is Kristen. I am going to rate it a partial um, because the sour is still just not my favorite, and I. Um, I just, uh, I don't know. I like, I can't get over that part, (laughs) but the fact that it is so good, uh, flavorful wise, um, allows me to give it a three out of five, um, or else I would have just given it an initial or a flaccid. Um, so I'm going to go with three out of five partial, um, for the flavor, fullness of it um the strawberry and guava is very very apparent and um it was actually i did actually enjoy those flavors cool right on what about you jen so i'm gonna give it a full because um sours are not my favorite um uh, but i was really impressed by the flavor of it and i mean like I said, I ate candy before this, so that probably helped with the tartness of it as well. Uh, but I did not have that initial flinching. Uh, I know. That, uh, I was like, is she drinking the same beer? You drank it and was like, oh, nothing, no, no reaction or anything. <laughs> yeah. And usually it is like usually my reaction would be like Kristen's. Uh, but no, I think me having eaten the candy really. Um, uh, well, my mouth was full of sugar, basically. Uh, and it just got washed out by the sourness of the candy or it helped with uh 
making that initial sourness really, really low. So I'm taking sips of it now and I'm getting more of the sourness. Um, but I mean, it works, it works. So I, this might be one of my new practices, eating candy before drinking beer. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but it was, uh, I mean, it was tasty. I think that allowed me to focus more on the taste of it than anything than on just the sourness as well. So I'm going to go with a full. Awesome. All right, guys. Now it's time for Chisme de la Semana. <laughs> and I got some Chisme, guys. Uh, it's some sad Chisme. Aww. Uh, uh, it turns out Blade is not going to be R-rated. It's going to be PG-13, guys. <sighs> I'm very upset about this news. I saw that, and I was just like... Why? I don't, I don't actually remember. Was the original Blade a PG-13? I'm pretty sure it was rated R. Was it? I mean, back in the day, I would think it it was with all the <laughs> killing and blood and everything. But I mean, still, all of that would still like grant you a rated R rating. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Like back in the day, that would still be an R. So that makes sense. But I don't know. I don't know if it was or it wasn't. But regardless, like to me, Blade is on par with Wolverine when it comes to the ability to tell a an accurate story mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, without having to censor it right and i think one of the reasons they were saying they were going with the pg-13 rating was because they want to appeal to uh, a, a multitude of audience like even to the kids and i'm just like if you build it, the kids will come anyway. So, like, why don't, you just, <laughs> why don't you just give it an R rating? I yeah, mean, I was going to say, like, the way mm -hmm. that an R rating detoured kids from watching Deadpool. No, that never <laughs> happened. That no. never happened. Exactly, exactly. So The I amount of 8-year-old to 12-year-old kids that were even walking into the comic shop when that movie first came out asking for comics mm -hmm. was, like, crazy. And the parents did not care. I pointed it out every single time. This is a mature rated book. They didn't care. So wow. no, they didn't. Or 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 they'd be like oh, they'd be like, oh, I don't want to give my kid this rated R book. And I was just like, but you let him watch the rated R movie? Yeah. Like <laughs> I don't know. Parents are They're weird. They're weird. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that also comes with an another batch of sad news on on the uh blade front wesley snipes says that he will have nothing to do with the new blade reboot that he will be working on his own project that will blow blade out of the water so i don't know if he's saying uh, that with some salt or not okay, but okay boomer <laughs> <laughs> i like I said in the past uh, episode, I was really, really looking forward to a Wesley Stipes cameo in this new Blade reboot. Yeah, me too. Which mm -hmm. would have like appealed to like the hardcore fans from the original movies. Mm -hmm. You know, throw us a bone, Wesley Snipes. <laughs> but no, 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 no. He's a little salty about it and is going to be working on his own project that is going to blow Blade out of the water, is what he said. <laughs> I don't know. I don't I wouldn't mind another vampire resurgence in Hollywood cinema, so I'm fine. <laughs> he can make his movie. 
as far as we know right now, they're scheduled to release Blade, the reboot, in October 2022. So we'll see what other news comes out on those movies. But I also have another little piece of chisme as well. I know that we are looking at the end of the first season of WandaVision. And let me tell you, I'm having so many feels. Latest episode was amazing. And uh, so... Um, WandaVision will conclude on Disney Plus on March the 5th, and then it will be followed by a premiere of Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, and, uh, and then on the 18th, uh, two weeks later after that, so uh, we'll have a little bit of uh, a gap in entertainment, but it'll be followed by the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So I'm very excited about that. Um, and during that time, uh, Sex Snyder's Justice League will also be uh, available yeah. to watch. Um, I saw a trailer of it and I'm just like, what the fuck is this about? <laughs> like, I, I can't make heads or tails out of it. I <laughs> no said, one that's can. Just the infamous Snyder cut. <laughs> and that's just the trailer, guys. And I saw it. Okay. Granted, I was a little tipsy, but regardless, <laughs> I could not make heads or tails out of it. I was like, what is going on? <laughs> like, There's a scene where the Joker's in it. I have no idea what's going on. There's no context. Like it's it's like flashes of scenes that are not from the same movie. I don't know. Uh, you know of course, what? I'm gonna, it's just I'm a gonna... hodgepodge of ideas that he tried to shit out. <laughs> I'm gonna watch it because uh, because I'm that kind of person who likes to see a train wreck. So, <laughs> so uh, there's that. So that's the entertainment in the month of March, guys. So um, I'm if if I mean. Making the making of WandaVision, you know, at first it was like, what, where is this going? And then to where it is now. And then, I mean, it just gives me hopes that all of the stuff, the repertoire, all the uh, programming coming from Disney Plus is going to be hitting those marks. And I'm just like here for it. So that's my cheese, guys. But I know, Kristen, you have some cheese as well. I do have some cheese. I have some cheese uh, about uh, superhero movie as well. But before I get to that. I want to share some cheese about something a little bit closer to home. And that is that our Patreon is finally live and ready to rock and roll. So um, in case you didn't know, we are um, commodity comics is part of a podcast network called period podcast network. And it is a network uh, full of amazing uh, podcasts that are created by women for everyone. And if you haven't checked them out, please do so. Go to period. Um, is it periodnetwork.com or period yes. podcast network? Just periodnetwork.com. Yes. Okay. So, um, and check out all the other podcasts that are on there. You'll find something that um, really uh, like sparks uh, an interest in you. I can guarantee it. But our Patreon is a um, collaborative Patreon. And so it is supporting the network as a whole, which supports all of our podcasts as a whole. So definitely check it out. And all you need to do is go to patreon.com backslash period podcast network. And so um, you can check us out. <coughs> Excuse me. Check our Patreon on Patreon out there and the um, Patreons. Our Patreons will receive 
rewards from uh, not only us, but from all of the podcasts. So I think that's really awesome. And I'm so excited that it's finally live. Yay. We're all very excited. Yes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So not only will you be supporting us, you'll be supporting a bunch of other uh, women podcasters as well, which is a good, cool endeavor. Yes. Absolutely agreed. Amazing. I actually... um, I binged uh, Elaine's, Elaine's cooking yeah, for the soul. Cooking <laughs> podcast for the soul. Um, and it was so good. It was so funny. I really enjoyed it a lot. And I, um, I, I, I went all the way up to the point where we didn't know what was going to, it left you on a cliffhanger. So um, I <laughs> can't wait to hear more stuff um, about what's going on with that podcast. But yeah, that that's a, a fictional podcast. It's a fiction podcast and, um, mm-hmm. which I never even really thought about existing until I heard of Elaine's. I was just thought podcasts were just people talking about like stuff, stuff that, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize like, like, like acting and yeah. So <laughs> that's really cool. Um, but my other, um, little piece of cheese meal, which has to do with superhero movies, is that uh, the Superman movie reboot is coming. And it's not only coming from J.J. Abrams as a producer, but it is coming from Ta-Nehisi Coates as a writer. So I was like, wow, so a competent script? Yeah. Incredible. (laughs) I know. I'm super excited. I was just like, no, they didn't. So uh, it's not clear whether or not Henry Cavill will um, be reprising his role of Superman. But Coates says in his initial statement about the movie that his movie is going to be in the shared continuity of the DC's film universe. So um, which I guess is known as DC Extended Universe. Mm. So um, so there's continuity. I I was going to say. shade <laughs> uh so like um i was just telling a customer at the shop the other day that i will never forgive them for using a different flash in uh, the movie <laughs> than, as they do in the tv show it is disconcerting it takes me out of the movie it it like when he showed up in i don't remember what he showed up in that i saw uh if, was it batman versus Justice superman League? or whatever i don't remember what it was but mm-hmm. I'm not lying. Like it, after the movie was over, I was like, who was that person? <laughs> like, oh, my oh my God. Because it didn't look like him. Like, I, I don't know. It just didn't click with me. I mean, even though he was running fast. <laughs> mm-hmm. so, to be fair, there's a lot of superheroes whose powers are just they're fast. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so anyway, that is some good news. Like to actually have a competent writer behind a DC movie script uh, is very promising, and I am excited to see where it goes. Um, everybody should, uh, by this point, know that Superman is not one of my favorite characters. He's boring to me. Um, but I've actually heard good stuff about this Superman and, um, what is it? Lois and Clark Lois TV and, show. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. So, and actually Superman, Lois and Clark, um, comic that came out, I will say like 2016, 17, maybe 18, like somewhere about three back or four there. years ago. 
Um, well, I loved, I loved, loved, loved. And it was, um, uh, it was the storyline where Jonathan was coming, um, into his own as a uh, Superboy, And I really loved that storyline a lot, but then here I'm already, I already had salt because, um, they're like, yeah, he had, they have twins in the show. I'm like, what, what are you doing to me? DC? <laughs> so anyway, I, I guess that, that there's a, some storyline, um, significance to that. And we'll see where that goes, but I haven't watched it yet because CW does me wrong because they force you to watch it on the app and I can only get the app on my phone. So, exactly, yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going to have to wait till it comes out on Netflix because uh, <laughs> if it ever does, because, yeah, it, I, I don't like to watch it on my tiny little screen, but we'll see. Maybe, uh, maybe I'll, uh, if I keep hearing good things, we'll see. Exactly. That is my chisme de la semana. All right, guys. Now it's time for our book review. Jen, what are we reviewing today? So today we are reviewing The Black Panther Party, a graphic novel history. Uh, so it is written by David F. Walker with art by Marcus Kwame Anderson. Uh, and it was uh, printed by 10 Speed Press. So this is a kind of collated history about the rise and the fall of the Black Panther Party. Uh, the beginning, it says, founded in Oakland, California in 1966, the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense was a radical political organization that stood in defiant contrast to the mainstream civil rights movement. This gripping illustrated history explores the impact and significance of the Panthers from their social, educational, and healthcare programs that were designed to uplift the Black community to their battle against police brutality through citizen patrols and frequent clashes with the FBI, which targeted the party from its outset. During dramatic, using dramatic comic book style retellings and illustrated profiles of key figures, the Black Panther Party captures the major events, people, and actions of the party, as well as their cultural and political influence with enduring legacy. So I think it's just worth mentioning that um, we are recording this episode on February 28th. It's the last day of the month. It is still Black History Month for us. And this mm. is our culminating celebratory um, big hurrah of a review of a book um, in celebration of Black History Month. And damn if it wasn't um, a exactly that just like the we save the best for last for sure it and i think that's the best description of this book because it was it was really really fucking good so there was a lot of information in the book but it was because it's a graphic novel and because of how they presented it it makes it's not that it's actually a very big book too Mm -hmm. Like it's um, um it's pretty thick when uh you handed it when I when I picked it up Sarah I I grabbed it and I was like holy shit this is almost like a textbook um, <laughs> um but it's it's very well done it's very well paced and it's a very it make the language is not complicated at all um uh, even though some of its sources are from very 
um, uh, are from essays and biographies and stuff like that about the Black Panther Party. It's very, very um, uh, highly like textbook uh, esque um, literature. Mm-hmm. But um, um, the book was uh, I, I, it was like a swift kick in the face, is what it was. It, oh, but yes. like absolutely agree mm-hmm. with that. Continue, but it, in a way that's like damn i think we were talking about it uh earlier uh and it's like if you've ever felt like ambivalence to the black panther party or you like don't really know what it was that they were about you just know that kind of like the the popular uh generalization of them this book does a great job of examining the black panther party and what it is and what it stood for and what it did and how it was perceived the black panther party is a really really infamous even though like when i was a kid uh and like we were in school and stuff like that we knew the black panther party like we knew it existed it was taught to us and stuff like that even if very briefly but it was something that we were aware of that existed and this is like we're talking about early 2000s and stuff like that um um, but to me the black panthers were always cool like that's and if you ask any kid who like from an inner city school that's what they'll tell you is that Mm -hmm. the black panther parties were cool because they looked cool as fuck but that is not the general view outside of most uh inner cities or most outside of most city people it is the Black Panther Party was viewed as a terrorist organization, mm-hmm. as a black terrorist organization. And they were damn well treated that way, too, yep. by by the FBI, by Cointelpro and stuff like that. And that is uh, I don't think there's a lot of people that know uh, exactly what happened to the Black Panther Party and what Cointelpro was. But Cointelpro was 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 an infiltration and attack unit specifically targeted towards not just the black panther party but the entire civil rights movement as a whole it was meant to dismantle and disrupt all organizations done by black uh by black communities to try to form uh any form of movement going Mm -hmm. um it's it the book is very very informative and it made me very, very, very angry and sad reading it. Not because of uh, what it had to say about the Black Panther Party, but it's about what the what happened to the Black Panther Party. Yeah. Now, not to say that the Black Panther Party was all like angels and stuff like that. They were very much uh, a very a very radical movement and one that was not against using violence mm-hmm. uh and that's that's what they're most well known for that's what you see clips about about hugh p newton saying we will by any means necessary yeah by any means necessary and but that's what that's what's focused on a lot the book does a great job of examining the school free lunch program which exists Mm-hmm. still in a manner of speaking in most public educations that mm-hmm. free school lunch program the reduced school lunch program was a direct result of the black panther party and how much goodwill it garnered them towards the community and it lasted most uh like secondary schooling or not secondary school but like adult schools came from 
the inception of the um uh, of the education programs that the black panther parties set up like trade schools and stuff like that that's what that was it was a trade school um uh so it's the black panther party uh did a lot for the community that's how they garnered so much trust and that's why they were so huge but it's it it was also full of misogyny which is really funny considering that angela davis angela davis was part of the black panther party and she's just oh she's like if you want to talk about like one of my heroes that's angela davis is like up there she's she is a woman to be reckoned with um um but that was the what the the black panther party was like unfortunately they were they they were kind of misogynistic they did tend to recruit from a lot of gangs and stuff like that so they were kind of violent there was a lot of drug dealing and drug use but there the book does a good job of examining how this came to be and about the actions like we never truly know what the black panther party could have become uh-huh. because of so much disruption from the fbi active sabotage yep of a movement that was trying to do good for its community and uh i always knew that like i mean in, from history lessons and stuff like that that hugh p newton was arrested that a lot of the members were arrested what i didn't know was just how often they were yes like mm-hmm. that is that there was there was just so much there was a lot of new information for me in the book as well even stuff that stuff that i, I already knew but also new information and i for some reason the book the book starts off strong because it mentions the fact that lynchings were not fully like considered like a hate crime or illegal until last year 2020 Mm-hmm. And like I had to, I had to do a double take because I, because I remember them introducing that law and that pa- and them passing that law last year. Like it made, I remember it being on the news, and I, I never really examined it. Like, why are they just passing it now? Like I thought it was already like a thing that wasn't legal. Like, but no, it like there was literally just last year an anti-lynching law passed. Like. It's been 50 years or more since the civil rights movement. And you're telling me that just right now they're passing a fucking lynching law? Mm-hmm. Like, what? What? I don't know. The book, like, the book is a lot. But it's all very relevant and very pertinent information. Not only about the Black Panther Party, but about the civil rights movement as a whole and even current events as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the writer himself in his afterward talks about being in the middle of, of finishing up what he needed to for this book and watching the riots that happened in May of this year because of... Um, uh, of the what was the guy's name now i forgot <laughs> george uh, floyd thank you because of george <laughs> floyd's murder and it was um very uh impactful for me to read those words from him and to know that 
in so many fucking ways, we we have we're right back where we started. Yes, we're, we're yeah. right back where it, it all started, and it, it that is so disheartening to to see and to see to see the things that this group did that was so positive for the community and their their ideals and their ideas and the things that they wanted to accomplish were coming from such a place of um, wanting to just be better and do better for their community and Mm -hmm. to be literally sabotaged at every fucking turn. Like I am going, I will um, be completely honest. I came into reading this book very, very ignorant of the Black Panther Party. Um, I knew that it existed. I knew Huey P. Newton. I knew by any means necessary, but that's pretty much it. I didn't learn very much about Black Panther Party in my rural Central California education. Um, I didn't really learn much about it in college either because I didn't take those courses or classes. I didn't Mm -hmm. grow up in Los Angeles where there was a Black Panther Party and and their legacy existed. I didn't really know much about them. And other than they were a Black civil rights movement political group that had a very negative connotation when you talk about Black Panther Party, um, that that they were all about violence and, and, and that kind of thing. And the more and more I learned about, um, and I had heard about, you know, the free, um, the free meal program and the education program and stuff like that, but I didn't know that much about it. And to just follow along the history of the work that was done and um, the grassroots work and how it fucking spread like wildfire across the nation because it was so needed and, and black people mm-hmm. wanted to have something to bring them together to find some sort of power that they absolutely felt powerless in, in so many other ways. And, and to just see, I mean, I worked with, um, with youth of color for many, many years and to hear the stories of how they would be, um, stopped in the streets for no reason and they would be detained for no reason and they actually would have their doors fucking kicked in in the middle of the night for no other reason than the fact that they were on probation and it could they could do the cops could do it um i heard those stories and it would make me so angry and that's how reading these stories of the fbi like arresting people and fucking arresting them for not just like petty shit, but for murder and people who were in prison for decades for things they didn't fucking do just Mm -hmm. because they were, they were gaining some sort of, of, of power in the eyes uh, of, of the white man, to be quite frank. Um, Mm -hmm. And and that, that scared them. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the, the COINTELPRO stands for Counterintelligence Program, and it was devised specifically to stop. I mean, when you look at the definition, it says, you know, political, political um, groups like um, radicalized political groups. But the reality is it was black 
political groups, black people who they felt in their eyes were gaining power and they didn't want that. And this is still back in the day of black, uh, of um, Jim Crow laws and, you know, and Mm. still lynchings. I mean, that lynching law in the book tells you that they have been trying to pass in many states, been trying to pass some of these laws for so long, but so many right-wing conservative groups would rally against it and would be successful in stopping them from passing. What the motherfuck is wrong with people Mm -hmm. that they would want to stop that kind of law from passing other than straight up fucking racism? Mm -hmm. Exactly. And that says a lot about this country. I mean, it's fucking murder. It's fucking a hate crime. It's, I mean, it doesn't get worse than a group of people fucking murdering another person for no other reason than the color of their skin. That fucking says a lot about this country. And for that lot to have passed just last year, shame on you. Fuck, it just makes me so mad. And, you know, the way you described it, Jen, saying that this is like a swift kick in the face. Um, mm-hmm. it, I, I saw this book and I thought, oh, my God, this is going to be a great read. But then at the same time, how thick it, it was. And I was like. There's no way I'm going to get through it, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I, but I sat down and I started reading it and I couldn't put it down. I could not. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a reluctant reader and I could not put this book down. Um, and let me tell you, the first 10 pages, man, I was fighting through tears because it was, there were some, a lot of scenarios within Black history um, that, were fucking emotional as fuck and you couldn't help but like have to pause and like just cry it out a little bit and then just keep on reading because that's how good this book is um reading the 10 point program that the black panthers wrote the manifesto you read that and and it's still it's still um those demands are still being those demands yeah yeah exactly they They have not been fulfilled they haven't yeah that community still is asking begging for those things yeah and and it's not unreasonable it's things like i just want to be treated like a human being basically like it's Mm -hmm. it's oh it's like you said it just it makes you so angry and Mm -hmm. but but in the way this book is written, uh, there's a lot of these uh, characters that are key uh, players within the Black Panther Party and then explains where they came from, how they got radicalized and um, and how they, you know, they got into in, in with the Black Panthers. And I thought that was really good because you get to see like where they came from and uh, what kind of background their family was from and, you know, how they felt. A lot of these, a lot of the founding members of the Black Panther Party were educated black people. So, I mean, they did their homework. They, you know, um, one of the things I loved is like, I, I have the right to carry a weapon for my protection and the, uh, that uh, standoff kind of point they had with the police officers and how the community was out there watching. And they're like, you move along. You can't stand around here. They're like, no, you are in your right to stand here and witness a, an officer perform his duty. It, you're mm-hmm. within your rights. And I was like, Oh my God, that, that can be 
something that we're living in right that's exactly what we're living in right now yeah. when they tell us you can't record you can't record like we need to educate ourselves as well i mean i'm not saying that we should fight against the police but goddamn there's a lot of problems within the police department too so i mean we got to we got to be educated we got to know what's up because you know a lot of a lot of these things that we see like on facebook and on instagram are like police officers like arresting uh street vendors or you know or being a, a definitely way too rough on our our black brothers and sisters i mean come on it's this book even though it's written about the Black Panther Party in the 1960s, it could very well be right now. Mm-hmm. It could very be right now. And mm-hmm. you know, a lot of a lot of the media and a lot of the history books or a lot of the hearsay between people when they talk about the Black Panther Party, they focus on the drug use yeah. um, and mm-hmm. all of that. And I'm here to say, like, honestly, if the FBI was fucking watching me with a microscope and he, the FBI was getting my friends to become informants and the FBI was tapping my phone and the cops were being arresting me for any fucking little thing I did. Fuck. Yeah. I would turn to drugs to, to try to escape. I mean, mm-hmm. with that kind of pressure, I don't even know how Huey lived so long, as long as he did, you know, convicted. He still died uh, young. Yeah. 47 years old was not, that's actually another thing is that I never really knew how Huey P. Newton. Yeah. I didn't away. either. I didn't, I, I didn't it's just it's like he just disappeared off the face of the earth mm-hmm. one day like no one no one talks about how he passed away and that was new information to me and it was so heartbreaking it really yeah. was. Uh, it really was i mean it and for him too for all of those years that he was incarcerated um and the the incarceration to be honest with you just based on what we see in the facts and everything, like I'm not convinced that it was, uh, that it was warranted. And like, he's, he, yes, he did some things and maybe he could go to County or whatever, but to be in prison for as long as he was, um, and just, and, and you know, what interested me too was his entry into prison was what started the, uh, the big uh, prison black prison gang because he went in there sharing his um, his like ideals and, and his stuff and trying to get the, the prisoners in there to buy into his um, his manifesto. And I thought that was really super interesting as well. Yeah, and um, uh, there was this one fellow it, within the Black Panther Party who was incarcerated for like forty-seven years or so, mm-hmm. and forty-three of them in solitary uh, solitary confinement. Yeah, I mean, I don't know I, anyone who could. That, yeah, the fact that he survived that. Exactly. I mean, we got people, we got Karens here trying to freaking say mm-hmm. they can't be wearing masks because they can't <laughs> breathe. I mean, seriously, it just, I mean, that's the type of anger that that you feel while you're reading this, but you, you're educating yourself. And, and the, the, the fact of the matter is, is like this book is written and it's almost like textbook information, but it doesn't feel like textbook reading. Yeah. Um, and and I got to I got to say I love the artwork. The artwork is phenomenal. And the artist that mm-hmm. he worked on other books that we've uh reviewed Cash and Carry uh which is a all ages uh book that we have reviewed on the podcast. So uh, we're familiar with this work and it's Yeah, his lovely. name sounded familiar and then when you shared that I was like, <laughs> "Oh yeah." 
<laughs> I mean, okay. I, <laughs> yeah, I gotta say, I mean, I went, uh, there were moments that I, I paused my reading to either cry or to look up stuff. Like there's this one uh, lady um, in 1977, BLA member Asista Shakur was convicted of murdering a police officer. Uh, four years earlier, she, she had escaped prison in, in, in 1979. Um, she fled to Cuba. And I was like, Shakur, that sounds super familiar. So then I looked her up and it turns out this is Tupac Shakur's great aunt. So I was like, God darn it. That's freaking inf- <laughs> that's freaking amazing. I also also so, I mean the origins and inception of the Black Panther Party, you know, it, it was the necessary, and I feel that it's necessary now. Um, but the inspiration they 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 inspired other countries to form their own. Uh, Black Panther Party. So that I thought that was amazing. Th- there was the Puerto Rican. Um, I forgot what page that was on, guys. But uh, it was page ninety six. Ninety six. Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, there were the White Panthers, where red- red- radical far left anti fascist group formed in Michigan. That was awesome, and I think that was formed because uh, some somebody white asked uh, asked them. They said, "Well, what can we do to help?" They're like, "Well, you should form your own party to to support what what we believe in that you believe in as well." So they formed their own party, which I thought was awesome. Um, there was one. Uh, let's see. It, the brown berets i remember reading a little bit about it like just slightly because mm-hmm. when i went to school in elementary school in gardena they mostly focus on martin luther king jr i remember that clearly i didn't know about malcolm x i did not know about the black panther party and and it was a small mention of uh the brown berets so mm-hmm. um so you see it, it Sometimes you, you got to go out of the education system to learn certain things because they definitely have their own program and their own way they, wa- they want their students to learn. So um, I, I put that out there. I didn't learn about the Black Panther Party in elementary school or junior high or high school. So, but uh, mm-hmm. there was a Puerto Rican street gang in Chicago. Um, and there was an uh, American Indian movement American Indian movement. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I thought that was amazing. Uh, there were uh, there was another one uh, in India, which I thought was amazing. It was uh, from one of those lower castes, the ones that they... Uh, the Untouchables. The Untouchables, the right. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I thought, oh my God, I just learned about castes, by the way, guys. So, I mean, I was just like, wow. Like, in New Zealand, the Pacific Islanders, uh, in Israel... Uh, well, the important thing to to garner from all of that is that every country has their group that is oppressed. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Like especially Australia, uh, they had a Black Panther Party. The or from the Aborigines. The Aboriginals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, this is just God. I mean, I don't know if it's a beautiful thing or it's a sad thing. You know. Like, but reading just those pages, pages 90, 96 and 97, I was like, fuck. I mean, wow. Like, uh, so some mixture of emotions, like a beautiful thing that they came together and formed these parties, but a sad thing that they had to make them that that they were needed, you know. And but I mean, I can't 
speak enough about this book. I just, I learned so much. And um, then after reading this book, the next day I went to saw the the movie that's on Hulu. It's uh, on uh, Billie Holiday. And she was also targeted um, by a narcotics commissioner, I believe. I forgot, Alistair something is his name. Um, And he basically spent most of his career trying to bring her down. Uh, getting people to plant heroin on her and like be informants for him and it's sad because all she did was not stop singing the song strange fruit and uh, because it was so threatening to them and even on her deathbed they handcuffed her to her bed because they it quote unquote found heroin on her and she was already dying i mean (laughs) What could she possibly be doing with heroin on her when she's fucking dying of cirrhosis? And um, yeah, it just it's it's it just shows me that um, America, the United States will not let any any black person with power stay in power for too long. They will come in and fucking do everything they can to bring you down. But first, they, they don't want to kill you because then you become a martyr. So what they do is they, 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 faman, they defame you. I don't know how to say it in English. They, they, they knock you down and, and they publicly humiliate you. Um, anyway, that's what I got from this comic. And it's a lot. It's a lot. One of the things I wanted to to highlight from this book is that um, I actually learned who uh, Douglas Emery was and um, the importance actually that comics played in the Black Panther movement. Um, there mm-hmm. was a, um, uh, I think they called him the, what's, what is, I had the title here. He was the minister of culture for the Black Panther Party, and he was a graphic artist. And when they saw, uh, when Huey and um, uh, Bobby Seal saw, like, what a great artist he was, they um, recruited him to actually start a newsletter. And in that newsletter, he uh, actually would use a lot of, of cartoons um, because he wanted to be able to impart information to people that could not read. There was a lot mm-hmm. of um, in the commu- in the black poor black communities. There was a lot of illiteracy, um, yes. but they wanted to be able to um, share this information with everybody. And I thought it was so cool that um that comics actually played uh, such a big part in the black panther party being able to um help disseminate this information to everybody in a way that could easily be um understood and so um that was really super interesting to me and um actually there are a lot of instances in history of comics being used for that exact same thing Um, And if you see a lot of the posters that um, were designed, they were also designed by Douglas Emery. And he is actually um, still alive. 
Um, And he's Mm -hmm. still creating art. So you can look him up. Um, There was a a cool YouTube video that I shared on our page after reading this book because I was so interested in um, that particular aspect of the movement. And um, you can uh, look, find it on our Facebook page. Um, But I just really learned a lot. And I probably, um, if I reread it, would learn so much more um, just because it's a lot to ingest and to take and to just uh, to to accept, um, I think, too. And um, it's definitely worth uh, a reread. And I want to literally just share it with everybody that I know um, Mm -hmm. because it is just that well-written and that well-drawn and this information needs to be part um, of our American history that gets shared, I think, on a wide scale. Mm-hmm. Absolutely agree. With 100% you. agree. Well, that, and it's a roller coaster of a read, but definitely a swift kick in the face as Jen said it so eloquently (laughs) because that's exactly how I felt in the first 10 pages um but are we ready to rate the book yes yes why don't you start Sarah oh I if there's a higher rating than the whole panaderia (laughs) then it's 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 over the whole panaderia this is like I haven't felt so much reading a book in quite a while. This one just took me all over the place and just um in I haven't read a a whole book in one sitting either. So the whole panaderia or even a high rating to that, like a whole block of panaderias, I don't know. That's my rating. <laughs> this is Kristen. Uh I agree with Sarah. Um I don't know what we have that's uh, higher than the whole panaderia. I totally agree. I mean, our rating system is conchas, but I'm going to throw the taqueria in there too. <laughs> because <laughs> this, this book just deserves all the accolades that we can give it. And I, um, I patiently await all of the awards that this book um, is going to win. And actually, um, Something that I just saw uh, earlier today, uh, this creator, the writer, he also wrote a book on Frederick Douglass. Um, he did a mm-hmm. he did a comic on Frederick Douglass. So I think that that actually would probably be a very interesting read as well. Mm-hmm. Awesome. He definitely knows how to write like a research paper and like and how to reference it and stuff like that. So uh, kudos to David F. Walker. Now, I'm going to agree with uh, Sarah and Kristen. It's the whole panaderia and everything. And just um, this is going to sound funny, but I've been a student for most of my life. And I actually do like being a student and I like learning and stuff like that Um, uh, because I'm a giant fucking nerd. Um, uh, (laughs) But this just it it reminded me that at one point I would re- I I read biographies and bi- and stuff like that like just for fun because I wanted to know more about about history and about people and the people who shaped our culture and stuff like that in western mythology and this just it reminded me that I used to have a passion for knowledge um, um and any any kind of knowledge uh and honestly that is uh thank you thank you to these two people who 
gifted us with something that has such a font of information and for reminding me that I should never be complacent with not knowing Mm -hmm. because ignorance is it like there's no reason you need to be ignorant of anything when you can look it up yourself and uh, that looking reading this book just reminded me of that and that I should no matter what it is I should always constantly be learning so I I like what thanks can I give to a book and its creator for that so just the entire panaderia all the conchas all the all the hot chocolate (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah and quite honestly the way that this this book and the paneling is with the artwork and the um the narration behind it it just it's it's just such a gift and i'm very grateful that they fought through tears and through anger and everything to make this book because it really speaks to me and it speaks to all of us and i wish i could put this book in my purse and just go handing it out like you gotta read this you gotta read this (laughs) but um but yeah so uh yeah so that was like a phenomenal rating all around girls thanks a lot all right guys it's now time for on my radar Kristen, what's on your radar okay so on my radar this week is a very interesting book it is an image comic number one called stray dogs and the creators themselves um coin this book as a crossover between Lady and the Tramp meets Silence of the Lambs. <laughs> now, if wow, that that's a description. <laughs> if that doesn't pique your interest, I don't know what will. But it certainly did mine. And I read number one, which came out um, this last week, February 24th. And it was so good. It was so, so good. So the protagonist, if you will, is a little dog named Sophie. She's a cute little, like, fluffy, yappy dog that, like, (laughs) a a woman would carry in her purse. Um, (laughs) And uh, it starts off with her with an actual female owner. And then she wakes up after a trip to the vet in a completely different house and a completely different environment with a freaking slew of stray dogs. Um, And the story follows Sophie, um, who has a little bit of memory loss of how she got there. She doesn't know who any of these dogs are. She doesn't know what's going on. And the first issue follows her as she starts to kind of get her memory. And as these dogs are showing her around, they're super nice. They're very like welcoming and comforting. And they are all telling her about what a wonderful person their, um, their owner, quote unquote, is. And as she is so scared and going through like this crazy experience of not knowing what the heck happened to her she starts to get her memory back 
And her memory starts to basically um, show her that this new owner is not a nice person, um, did not do nice things to her previous owner, and she starts to remember what actually happened. And so um, that's kind of the setup of what is actually going to continue on in this uh, in this comic. Um, number one sold out on the first day at our shop. Um, it had a such a cool. Um, variant cover. Um, it's. I'm gonna put it up to the screen as I describe it. It is um, a variant of that Sophie, and it is a, a Silence of the Lambs uh, picture of her <laughs> with the little moth on her mouth. Oh my god, that's so that's so adorable. But I know what it's. <laughs> it's literally referencing Silence of the Lambs. Yes. So I'm like, oh my god. And actually, the next one also has a horror variant, and that one I believe is referencing Pet Cemetery. Um, <laughs> so um, I highly recommend it. I read it. Um, the writer is Tony Fleeks. Uh, the artist is Trish Forstner. So, um, uh, definitely check it out. Um, I can't wait to actually read number two and you all know that horror is my favorite genre. Um, and this definitely checks that box. So check out Stray Dogs from Image. All right, it's time for Juntos y Fuertes. Kristen, take it away. Okay, so in honor of uh, the book we read today, um, my Juntos uh, y Fuertes um, share today is about a nonprofit organization called The Innocence Project. And The Innocence Project was founded in 1992 by Peter Neufeld and Barry Sheck. Um, at the Cardoza School of Law, and they work to exonerate the wrongly convicted through DNA testing and reforms the criminal justice system um, to prevent future injustice. So um, their mission is to free the staggering number of innocent people who remain incarcerated and to bring reform to the system responsible for their unjust imprisonment. And we've already read in our um, in our book that we reviewed today uh, so many people who were um, who were wrongfully imprisoned, wrongfully arrested, um, and some people who literally were were locked up for years for mm -hmm. things they did not do. Um, and so I wanted to share this project because. Um, it is still an issue that is very much a big issue in our society. So you can just go to innocenceproject.org. You can donate, you can learn about their work. You can learn about, um, how they are, um, uh, doing their work. Uh, you can be educated about, uh, the system and how they are trying to change it. And I'm assuming you could probably even volunteer. Um, there are groups nationwide. And so there's even a place where you can go on and find your local group. And of course, there is one local to Los Angeles. So um, innocenceproject.org. That's I-N-N-O-C-E-N-C-E-P-R-O-J-E-C-T.org. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's powerful stuff. Thanks so much. And now it's time for In La Libreria. Jen, take it away. 
So today for En La Libreria, I have Dreadlock the Barbarian, an action-packed swashbuckling cyberpunk western and Reaper Corp spinoff, part of the Dork Empire shared universe. <laughs> so first of all, yeah, first of all, it looks the artwork for it looks really, really cool. But uh, Dreadlock the, the Barbarian is whatchamacallit, it's being published by Dork Empire Inc., which publishes wall-to-wall action uh, adventure comics. Uh, And they've been described as 90s image with better writing. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, like, their their goal is to make fun entertainment. Uh, It's, like, their motto is, like, making comics fun again and stuff like that. So they have, like, uh, they have a shared universe that spans two distinct eras, with one that is in the modern era and another one that is set in 2308 future era uh, with Reaper Corp. So this... So this comic book is going to take place in that future era book and it's uh it looks like a lot of fun it looks really 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 cool and so the creator is don walker uh he's the creator writer penciler with jeff graham as the inker salas dixon also as the inker brian valencia as the colorist and ed dukeshire as the letterer and you can see previews of it already on their kickstarter page which is dreadlock the barbarian they have a goal of four thousand dollars and they are halfway a little over halfway to it which is two thousand they're at 2,149 with 89 backers and 26 days to go. So you can, of course, donate any amount and not get any awards. You can just kind of have like a base set. But if you want to get like uh, something for it, either the, the base pledge starts at $5 and you get dreadlock number zero uh, in PDF format. The next uh, one after that is you just pledge $10 and it's just you pledge without a reward. You just want to like support the book. There is another pledge that is also at $10, uh, but this one comes with a print copy of the book, uh, two four by six trading cards, digital audio commentary, and, and issue number zero in PDF format. Uh, then the next one after that one is $20 and it includes all the above ones, but also um, uh, Reaper Corps number zero PDF um, um, and four, uh, four by six trading cards. And from there, it keeps going up as well. They have, um, uh, a retailer incentive one, I believe as well. Uh, and in a very, ex- uh, expensive ones with that comes with original art, um, uh, and limited variant covers and stuff like that. So it looks, it looks really, really cool. It kind of looks like Conan the Barbarian uh but set in the future and you know it it's it looks really really fun is i'm looking at the art right now and it actually is really cool uh Mm -hmm. the title in and of itself grabs me but the art is really really good and um I'm drawn to this $400 pledge where in a variant cover, you become a member of um, Dreadlock the Barbarian's crew. Uh, and so you <laughs> are on the cover. I think that's that's super cool. I love that. Um, so, And um, this creator is actually uh, local to Los Angeles. 
Oh wow! Uh, yes, he is a um, he is a product of the Sketchy Bugs. Oh, oh wow, okay. that's yep. cool. Now that part I did not know, but uh, honestly, it looks super fun, uh, and I 100% uh, recommend backing it. I'm going to back it as well because I love me some futuristic uh, comic books. So I can't wait to read this. So Dreadlock the Barbarian. All right, guys, it's now time for saludos. And today, estamos saludando a Caden Phoenix. Caden Phoenix is currently, uh, has launched her third superhero novel on Kickstarter. It's called Loquita. It's a supernatural Latina superhero graphic novel. Uh, the cool thing is that uh, this novel will have Eva Cabrera as the illustrator. Uh, I believe she was That's nominated for name. some awards. Yes. Uh, the colorist is uh, Adriana DLT. And uh, the letterist is Sandra Romero. And the cool thing about this is, as you can tell, it's an all-female, all-woman uh, uh, production crew behind this comic book. So estamos saludando a Caden Phoenix. Um, we hope that your Kickstarter reaches its goal for the printing costs. So saludos goes out to Caden Phoenix. Um, she recently had an interview on Cuentos y Comics. Uh, you can find them on Facebook. Um, and she also was on the Grand Geek Gathering um, um, podcast. So uh, saludos to Caden Phoenix. All right, guys, that brings us to the end of this episode. Where can they find us, girls? You can find us on Facebook at Comic Comadres and on Instagram at Comadres y Comics. You can find us on Twitter at Comic Comadres, where you can send us a DM as well. You can email us directly to comadresycomics at gmail.com. Uh, also, please be sure to like and subscribe and comment on our YouTube channel in order to be entered into a drawing to win uh, the first two issues of a signed copy of Lightning Strikes by Marcus Newsom. Um, also, remember that we're still doing that drawing, and uh, if you rate... And review, you must review in order to be entered uh, on I, Apple I, Apple Podcasts to enter to win these uh, first two issue comic books from Marcus Newsom. Um, you could also find our podcast and other wonderful podcasts at theperiodnetwork.com. Um, so that concludes this episode. We have been your host, I'm Sarah. I'm Kristen. And I'm Jen. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.